Hello, hello, mamas. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we are talking about how to labor with a posterior baby, which is such a fascinating topic that I absolutely loved delving into. Now, just as a heads up, this podcast was actually recorded as a live in the Facebook group. So the sound quality um, and I guess the way that it's even presented isn't quite as um, amazing as the rest, but it's still definitely very worth it to listen to. So we break down if you're having a posterior baby and if that is the optimal position for your baby, which we talk about in the previous podcast, then how can we labor naturally with this posterior baby? I really enjoy talking about this topic. It's fascinating into the pelvic biomechanics and how they work, how the bones in the pelvis work, how the ligaments work, how babies head nuzzles in through that pelvis um, to get on in, rotate and get on out through birth. Um, Share the podcast with your friends, put it on your social media. It really, really helps to share the podcast for the sake of the podcast growing, which I really appreciate. Um, If you could leave a review of five stars, if you have any questions about our services, please hit me up. If you have a posterior babe and you have some questions after this, you want some support and help, please hit me up. I'd be more than happy to help you out. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Natural Birth Co. We help women and their partners prepare physically and mentally for a natural and empowering birth experience. With pregnancy yoga, Pilates and workshops, all led by our registered midwife, we have a studio here on the Sunshine Coast, Australia. Otherwise, all of our services are available online. You can learn more at naturalbirthco.com. If you wish to advertise on this podcast, you can visit naturalbirthco.com forward slash pregnancy dash podcast. Now enjoy this ad-free episode. So we are going to talk about how to labor with a posterior baby. So now... As we talked about last week, if you watched it, which I hope you have been watching this one today because it's going to make a lot more sense, um, where it can be totally normal to have a posterior baby on board. That can be the optimal position for your baby, for your individual pelvis. Now, all of this last week. So what we're going to work on today is that we're playing along with the idea that your ligaments are all balanced, your ligaments and muscles that surround the uterus and pelvis are all balanced. Now, your baby is in a posterior position and um, and you are just about to start labor. Okay, so how are you going to know that your baby's in a posterior position? Honestly, for you guys, the best ways to know is just to ask your midwife. Ask your midwife to do a palp of your belly and this can be at any time after 33 weeks. Honestly, before 33 weeks, don't really worry about what position your baby's in because they're just doing backflips all the time. But after 33 weeks is when baby starts to find their way into the optimal position. So after that time, it is totally appropriate in your midwifery appointments to ask your midwives, can you tell me what position baby is in? Where's the back? Is the head down or not, etc. So the best way to know is to ask your midwife, but if you're curious as to right now, is my baby posterior? A good way to know. So posterior essentially is 
head down and the back is to, babe's back is to the back of mum. This is rather than to the front of mum. Now, quite often, mamas with posterior babies, because baby's spine is to the back of mum and the front is a little bit soft, quite often the front of the bum can have a really subtle divot in it. So that can be one sign. Another sign is that the mama is feeling all these little tickles up the front at the top of the belly. And that's like the little kicks and the little hand movements that mama's feeling. That's another really great indicator that um, baby's posterior. And I know that's something that one of our mamas, Sam, is <laughs> experiencing at the moment with her posterior babe. And I think, Sam, you're on. Hey, yeah, awesome. Cool. Okay, so they're really good signs that our base is, is posterior. Now, I've got a few notes here, and it's so funny. Literally last week, I um, was practicing all day for my live, and it's funny. I do this thing where I do something once, and I'm like, ah, oh, that was easy. That was fun. So today's very impromptu. So bear with me if I uh, stutter a little bit, but I do have some notes here. So posterior babe can be the optimal position. Now, the hard and fast rule here is, now I don't want to, this isn't to cause fear or anything, but this is just that I feel like if you have an expectation and you know what you're in for, then it's a lot easier to accept in the moment. When you have a posterior baby, your labor does tend to be a little bit more intense and a little bit longer than it would be if it was anterior, okay? Now that's something that doesn't mean that it's abnormal, it doesn't mean that you can't do it, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to have a natural labor, but it does mean it's going to be a little bit harder and faster, and I'm going, I mean harder and slower. And I'm going to explain um, exactly why that is. So when we're talking about a posterior babe, babe is in a floating on top of your pelvis like this. Now we've got two forces that are going to help you birth your posterior baby. So these are going to be one, gravity, and two, creating space in the pelvis, okay? So we really want to utilize these two forces throughout your labor. So let's talk about, first of all, gravity, because this is the easiest one to get our mind around. So we used to think, back in the day, we used to think that if you've got a posterior baby, pregnancy, birth, just get onto all fours. All fours is going to encourage your baby to rotate to back to front. Now, this is true in a very small sense. So when we talk about using gravity, your uterus actually contracts in a clockwise motion. So if your baby is in, I'll come a bit closer, is in ROP, which is right occiput posterior, which means baby's back is on the posterior right side of the mum, that they need to go all the way around to get to the front, okay? Babies do not just take the short way round and that's not to be annoying. They would well, they would if they could. However, the uterus, the way that it contracts is it's like a corkscrew. So it contracts like this. So the baby needs to rotate with the direction of the uterus. Okay. And honestly, the majority of optimal positions, the majority of positions that babies are in before labor is LOA and ROP. So a lot of babies... ROP position, which might be mirrored on the camera, sorry, and they're going to have to go the long way round to get to OA. Now, the reason that posterior labors tend to be a little bit longer 
is because they need to get to OA before they start continuing to move down the pelvis. If you imagine a baby that's in an anterior position is already anterior, all they need to do is lock in and then turn to OA and continue to move down. Um, that's going to be a lot less time consuming than your posterior baby that not only needs to lock in, but then they need to rotate all the way around for however many hours to then continue to move down. Now again, all power to you. You are strong. Your body is meant to do this. The fact that it's going to be a little bit longer doesn't mean you can't do it. It just is a good heads up for you to have so that you're going into your labor knowing, okay, cool. This is how I'm going to cope. These are the techniques and the strategies I'm going to do to be able to increase the longevity of your labor. Now, okay, cool. So that is using gravity. So keeping in mind, say, let's pretend, let's do a little mock labor at the moment. Baby is ROP. Sorry, my series going off. Baby is ROP. Now, when we're talking about going into, like, sorry, moving around with the uterus, they've got to go to OP first, and then they've got to go to LOP, and then directly lateral to the left side, and then LOA, and then OA. The way we get them to move around isn't to go to all fours, because that's going to be using gravity to try to rotate them around this way, and then the opposing forces of contractions is going to be rotating them this way, so they're gonna stay exactly where they are. All right, we wanna be really working with the body here. So we're going to be encouraging baby to go from ROP to direct OP to LOP and continue to move around. Now, it can be really tricky to know exactly where in the pelvis baby is in regards to all those positions. So the best way to know is literally your own feeling. And this may be intuitive, but it's very physical as well. So you might feel, and literally one of our mamas, Nat, who I think is on this live, one of our mamas, Nat, she had her first baby with a um, posterior babe. And babe was here and she could literally feel, okay, that back right hip is twingy. That back right hip is sore. So your body is telling you to move in a certain way. And what we're going to do here is we're encouraging baby to move to OP with gravity. So for gravity to do that, the back being the heaviest part of babe, what we're going to do, and I'm going to just move you over to the wall. I've got this little setup. What we're going to do is slouch back. So I'm slouched back and my pelvis is tucked under. So what this is doing is this is encouraging babes back to flow down with gravity into the posterior position, okay? And then what we're going to do is, because then we want baby to come into the left posterior position, so what you'll then do is lay on your side, okay? So you might be laying directly on your side when we're trying to get babes to go to the left side, okay? And then from there, we're wanting baby to go along the front of the belly. So then is where you have full permission to use gravity and the, um, the corkscrew circle of your uterus to get baby to come directly to the anterior of your belly. Okay, I would love to know if that part makes sense so far. Using gravity to help get your baby around. 
if you could put a little message in the box to let me know if you're following with that part, if there's anything you would like me to clarify um, before we move into the creating space part of this chat. Okay. Alrighty. Beautiful. I'm just going to put some polls out as well. I would love to know if you've had a posterior bay before or if you have one at the moment. Do you have a posterior bay? Cool. So I'm going to put this out there. If you could answer these little polls, that would be awesome too. Makes total sense. Thanks so much, Ivy. Yeah, it's so, um, it's so interesting, isn't it? I only learn about this. This is in common knowledge, unfortunately, about the uterus um, contracting in a corkscrew motion. So quite often in the hospital, um, it's encouraged to be on your all fours in a posterior position birth. Um, however, this is quite new research that has come out that the uterus in the majority of women, obviously nothing is, is for everyone. Everyone's got an individual um, uterus. However, the majority of women, it does contract in that um, clockwise motion so it is really quite interesting to play with that um, gravity and to really encourage baby into that position so we're going to move on to creating space in the pelvis so using that information we just learned regarding turning baby around clockwise with the force of gravity so if you imagine babe is posterior above the pelvis now labor starting, we're feeling contractions. What we need to do is allow baby to engage in the pelvis. And by engage, I mean enter the inlet. Now our birth workshop mamas are gonna know exactly what I'm talking about here by, by inlet. But what this essentially is, is the brim of this pelvis. So this is the first plane of the pelvis. Now, if you look at our inlet, there's two things that, um, that determine the amount of space you've got to work with. Some women have a bigger inlet and some women have a smaller inlet. What determines that is one, the shape of this inlet, and two, is how much this sacral prominence sticks in. For some women, quite naturally, it sticks in like this, which is obviously decreasing the space in the inlet. For some women, it's quite naturally flat. So in regards to posterior babies, when their heads are entering like this, the most difficult part for them that they get stuck on is this sacral prominence. So this is the bone that is between the sacrum and the bottom of the spine, the bottom of the um, lumbar spine. So to get this sacrum prominence out of the way, we need to tuck that tailbone under, which is essentially slouching to create space and push that sacral prominence out the way. See how when we tuck that tailbone under, we're pushing that sacral prominence out the way, creating more space in this inlet for baby to enter, baby to engage. So what we've got to do there is when we're leaning back, and yes, we're using gravity, so the back is down the bottom, to get gravity to move, to get, sorry, baby's back to float to the back. But then we're also creating space by rounding the spine, tucking that tailbone underneath to tuck that tailbone underneath and push that sacral prominence backwards, 
for baby to start to enter the inlet of the pelvis. Now, um, when we're talking about, so a few different positions, this is a great position, literally sitting on a cushion, leaning up against the wall. This can also be very much um, copied with a birth ball. So sitting on a ball, which is just like a fit ball, a yoga ball, and leaning backwards um, onto a wall, tucking that pelvis under using gravity and the tucking of the tailbone to create space and get baby to enter and rotate in the inlet. Rebecca just said, can baby turn posterior after they have entered the inlet? Yes, Rebecca, they can, which um, is extra tricky. So what can happen is that if baby, so when we're talking about the uterus rotating in this clockwise position, if you imagine babe is say um, ROA, so this is direct OA, which is where majority of babies are aiming to get through throughout their labor. If babies rotate, they are, sorry, they're ROA, which is the backs on the right side, the anterior of mom um, and head down, that means that they then need to turn to direct um, right lateral and then they go into ROP, OP and all the way round. So that would be the majority of the time what's happening that if babe wasn't posterior, why they would turn posterior during labor, um, which is why sometimes labor can start like normal contractions where they, they flow in and they flow out. Um, and you get resting periods till you get to the classic posterior labor where there's not really a lot of break. So I'm going to talk about that in a second as well. Um, but yes, that can absolutely happen. The other time that that could happen, which would be extremely rare, is the very small amount of women where their uterus rotates anti-clockwise. And that's super rare. But say if your babe's LOA and then you happen to have it um, anti-clockwise rotating uterus and then it's like essentially the same thing on the opposite way they've got to turn all the way around to OP, ROP, ROA and direct OA. Um, they're two different options that they may happen. Does that answer your question? I hope. Let me know if, um, if it doesn't. Um, okay, we have a few people answering on the poll. So have you had a posterior baby before? One has, three haven't. Awesome. Um, and I'm just going to put uh, this one. One mama has a posterior babe on board at the moment. Awesome. So I'm glad this is going to bring some light. Now, we've talked about that initial pose of how to get baby in the inlet. Another great position, if you imagine, say you imagine your birth partner is sitting against the wall, um, or they can even be sitting up on a couch, and you're sitting down on the ground, and you're leaning back into their legs, really focusing on rounding that spine um, and letting that back come to like an angle like this. You may not want to lie fully on your back. I don't think that's going to be comfortable at all, but you might be reclining back. Now, keeping in mind, and birth workshop mamas, this is more a bit of clarity um, for what you went through in the birth workshop. Contractions, you absolutely still want to be moving through contractions. We don't want to be stagnant and still. Okay, you can use these positions while moving left to right, which is why the ball can be really great for these positions. Great, that answered your question. Thanks, Beck. Um, awesome. So then if we imagine we're trying to, um, so basically has engaged in the inlet and we've used gravity 
and um, creating space to get babes to come into directo key. So their back is directly against your back and their head is pushing up on your sacrum, okay? So I'll show you exactly so that it makes total sense. Their head is pressing up on your sacrum. This is why posterior labors tend to be a little more painful, okay? So their head, their hard skull is pressing right up on your sacrum, which is what we call back labor. It's often, but not always, but it is often quite intense on the back. And sometimes women even say like they don't even feel the contractions because they're so, uh, there's so much attention on the sensations in their back. Now, unfortunately with these posterior labors, quite often um, you don't feel relief from the back pain. So you know how contractions we talk about, they flow in and they're intense for a minute or so, and then they flow out. Unfortunately with posterior labors, the back pain continues in the space in between contractions, okay? Now, the best way to mitigate this and to uh, get through this is just to create as much space as we can in the pelvis to whip baby around out of posterior positions. So um, for mamas who come to yoga, you probably know beautiful Kim. Um, she had a posterior babe and we all knew that she had a posterior babe. And I just spoke to her today. Her baby whipped around out of posterior position really well and really quickly. So. Um, she really utilized all of these positions, like literally our exact talk. Now I had a, a, um, I told to her a couple of weeks back um, and her and her husband really utilized all these positions and her babe whipped around really quickly. It is intense, but the more we utilize these positions and we can just get babe to hurry up and corkscrew around to direct OA, you can then get that beautiful flow in and out of contractions, which makes it much easier to get in the zone when you've got your minute or two of contractions and then you've got your minute or two of break, it's much easier to get through each and every contraction. So if we can focus on that, getting baby around um, to get to that kind of end goal of LOA. Okay, cool. So let's imagine now babe is directo A. We've got this consistent sensation in the back. Um, what can be really helpful here is pressure on the um, sacrum or as um, our mum and Nat said, bilateral hip squeeze, which can be really helpful at just relieving that pain. A big part about posterior labors as well is intuition. If your body's telling you to crook a leg up or do a lunge or tuck under or do some weird position, just jump on in it. And that's the benefit of doing um, all this birth prep and yoga and stuff like that because we practice a lot of these positions so nothing's weird for the first time. You know, every like if you practice all these things before labor and then you get into labor and you've already been doing these positions for however many weeks, it's so much easier just to intuitively jump straight in it rather than if you haven't really been moving your body and then all of a sudden in labor, your body's telling you to go in this position and you're kind of like, I don't even know if I can get into that position. So um, yeah, getting into a variety of birth positions before birth is uh, super beneficial for the subconscious. One of my favorite quotes um, is we never want to do anything in labor for the first time. If we can preempt something that we're going to need to do in labor, do it in pregnancy to get your body used to it because our labor brains are mush. They are not very good at figuring out how to do new tricks. So 
um, baby's direct OA, uh, direct OP. So what we're going to do next is encourage baby into the left lateral, okay? So this is encouraging babes into this position. So directly on the left side. They're not tilting forward, they're not tilting back. So the best way to do this, I'm gonna just tilt my screen down, is just to lay on your left side because then we're using gravity to rotate baby down. And we're continuing, based on whether baby's on the inlet or the mid pelvis, we're continuing to create space in that way. Whether that be rounding the spine, that might be external rotation, that might be asymmetry, we're continuing to create space in the pelvis depending on where they are, um, which is using, um, not using vaginal exams, but it's using how much pressure we're feeling in the back passage, which we go super deep into in our birth workshop. But we want to let baby create space and use gravity to get to that left lateral. Once baby's in that left lateral, which honestly you can feel, you can feel, okay, cool, I've got that pain in the sacrum, and then they go to the left lateral, and they're like, okay, I've got that pain in my back left hip, and then all of a sudden, the pain will go away. And like, honestly, nah, I mentioned it before, but you've just got the most classic posterior um, labor birth story, where you just felt that big twinge along your left side, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh my God, something's different. Like, that was babes just fully clicking around, and you just know, you feel it in your body. So this is like, all leaning into your intuition, really following the feelings in your body, not overthinking it, and um, and moving through it. Okay, cool. So once baby's in the left lateral, we're then going to continue to use gravity and get into your all fours position. Oh, sorry, opposite. Get into your all fours position. This is going to encourage baby to then come to LOA and direct OA which is the goal the whole time. Once bugs in direct OA, they descend way easier. And this is all just part of the process to get babes to direct OA. Now, something to keep in mind, especially our birth workshop mothers, that when your babe is in the mid pelvis, which we know, um, which we know from feeling pressure in the back passage during contractions, not in between contractions, okay? So babes in the mid pelvis, and they may still be in the posterior spectrum somewhere, but they're in the mid pelvis. We want to create huge space change in this position, okay? When babies in the mid pelvis, which is these ischial spines, a little bit above and a little bit below, this is where they do huge rotation. So they may be in the posterior position and in the mid pelvis is where they're going to rotate around to OA. So the quicker we, the, the bigger space we create, the quicker that they can rotate around into um, an OA position. So you know how I talk about movement can be subtle or it can be dramatic. Full permission here to go dramatic with the movement. And by this I mean big lunges. You might be wanting to do some big lunges to create that space in the mid pelvis, um, allowing baby to move around. You may even stand up and pop your foot up on something quite high and you might have your partner in front of you. Sorry. You might have your partner in front of you and be like really leaning onto them 
And this is that rocking motion throughout your labor that you want to be doing during the contraction. You might find intuitively you want to come up this way. You might find you want to come more to the side, really intuitively moving through that. But don't be afraid to make some really big space changes here. Okay, I'm just going to refer to my notes because I want to make sure I'm on track. Because I think that I covered everything that I wanted to talk about right there. How do you guys feel? Do we have any questions, any stories that you wanted to share? I'd love to hear any info. Wonderful. All right, I'll stay on for a couple more minutes. If anyone has any questions, feel free to hit me up and I can answer. No rush. I love talking about this and I've actually decided to add um, the posterior position to our birth workshop. Um, would have loved this knowledge for the first time. I know that, isn't it such a stitch up sometimes, although, you just smacked it your first time. I feel like you just intuitively listened so well to your body and you did what you were asking for. So if you don't mind, I might just um, kind of give a brief rundown of what you've explained to me with your first birth. Because um, I just thought it was so beautiful for a posterior baby. Such a beautiful first birth experience. Um, so... Correct me here if I'm wrong now, but essentially you're a posterior baby and I don't think you really knew about it initially, but you definitely experienced that back labor. You definitely felt um, that pain. Okay, it was on the right side and then it was directly on the back and then it was on the left and you said you had this um, funny position where you kind of tweaked your leg a little bit. You maybe had it lifting up on something and you would... Um, going between leaning forward on the bar in the shower and that was kind of like all you were doing you couldn't be comfortable in any other position and I think you said you rested um, on the birth ball for a little bit and that was kind of it and then all of a sudden you felt this big kind of twinge through the leg this big just twinge and you were you just felt something different and all of a sudden the pain was gone in your back and then you yell out to me, wife, something's happening, something's happening, something's different. And then, you know, what was it? Within an hour later, baby came out. Like, I just thought, that is such a beautiful classic um, posterior baby experience. And it is just that truly listening to your body. And sometimes, like, this information I'm giving you can be helpful if, you know, maybe you don't have a midwife that's super supportive and, like, giving you that trust in your body or um, things are a bit noisy in your head and you're one of those people that you really like having a plan to follow. These tips can be helpful. However, the best thing that you can possibly do to it for a posterior baby is just to listen to your body, listen to your intuition, try to quieten your mind, which, you know, valid is really difficult with a posterior birth because it is so constant. Um... But yeah, it's just the best thing that you can do. Good summary, thanks Nat. I was hoping that I didn't butcher that too much. Um, if you felt like, do you mind putting in, like do you, in regards to the consistency of the sensations, right? So you not only felt the contractions, but in between the contractions, the back pain was still 
really um, intense. Do you mind sharing what um, your best way to cope with that was? Because uh, that's definitely the hardest part that I find with my mamas who have posterior babies. The hardest part for them was not getting that break. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind sharing what you did there, that would be super awesome. And Beck, you said, I think it would be a fantastic idea to add to the birth workshop. My midwife didn't give me any strategies when baby was posterior. You're so right, Beck. I know exactly what you mean. And honestly, it's actually really common. As I said before, the optimal position for half the amount of women is right oxyput posterior. So half the women that come through are going to need these strategies for birthing a posterior baby. Um, and to be honest, Beck, your midwife probably didn't give you those strategies, probably because she didn't know, because unfortunately this isn't common knowledge and definitely not bagging your midwife at all, but it's just one of those things that we're actually not really taught, which I just find wild. So yes, I'm glad. So you've had a posterior baby before, Beck. Are you pregnant again or was more popping on because you're interested about the birth that you already experienced? I'd love to know. Yeah, nice, Beck. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. Fab, guys. Well, it has been lovely to see you. I'm sure Nat will pop in. Oh, wait a minute. Nat's replied. Sorry. Ah, pop up. Mom. felt like the back pain wasn't as intense when I had a break between contractions. So that was lucky or not as intense. So I felt like I could. Awesome. Interesting that, that I was able to rest in between um, and psych myself up for the next one. My contractions were very irregular. That, okay. Yes. Okay, cool. So that was Nat, um, but found this very helpful. And you're right, I think a lot of the time midwives may not know, which is why your education is so empowering. Love your work. Oh, thank you so much. I love my work too. Um, this is actually a good little edit that I want to talk about. Thank you for um, the heads up, Nat, actually. So irregular contractions are really indicative of a posterior labor. Irregular contractions back pain, um, and also pressure in the bum early. Pressure in your bum early, all really indicative of a posterior labor. Um, and even my um, mama, Kim, that I was talking about before, this is super, super common in posterior labors as well, where you have this kind of early spurious labor for like four days or more or less, before your active labor starts. So you might have like one contraction every 10 minutes for four days or so. And what that is doing is that is quite often, what I was talking about before that makes labor go longer is the fact that baby has to turn all the way around to the anterior position before it can start moving down. 
Um, if you get that spurious labor for four days or so beforehand, what that is often doing is rotating your bubby around to the anterior position. And then when baby is anterior is when active labor starts so you can be good to go. And this is positive and negative for a couple of reasons. So like it can be positive because it means that your active labor isn't posterior labor because obviously active labor is really um, difficult and you don't want to be in it for too long. So if your active labor is flipping your baby around, then that can be really tricky. Um, and that can lead to a really long active labor. However, um, it's also difficult having this spurious labor for four days because you kind of lose a lot of sleep. So then by the time your active labor starts, you are super duper exhausted um, by the time labor actually starts. So they're kind of like a grass is always greener type of version, but it actually can be really beneficial to know, okay, if I've got a posterior labor, it is quite common to get this spurious labor first. So when that spurious labor starts, you're very much in your mind, I'm not going to get my hopes up. This can still be days away. This is probably um, rotating your baby around. Now, in this phase, I wouldn't recommend to start the positions we just talked about. So I wouldn't recommend slouching or anything like that because slouching in pregnancy is obviously not great. Um... For the balance of your ligaments and slouching during pregnancy is actually encouraging baby to be posterior even if that's not the optimal position for them um but during this early labor phase definitely rest is 100 the most important thing if you can get like five minutes in between contractions for four days just little little micro naps that is going to be so beneficial for the longevity of your birth Something that we go through in the birth workshop is very much, um, there are three things that I see make a woman tap out of the labor that she wants, which is a natural birth, if this is the case, um, to a labor that she doesn't want, which is getting an epidural or a cesarean section when she doesn't medically need it. Physical exhaustion, mental exhaustion, and not able to cope with the pain in labor. Now, something like being awake for four days straight is hardcore. Um, setting you up for mental exhaustion. So we really like work through a bunch of techniques in the birth workshop to try to mitigate that as much as you can. Obviously, you, like you can't control the fact that, um, you know, labor went for four days before you actually went into active labor. But what we can control is where to put our energy during that time. During that time, the most important thing is to nap because that is going to reduce the mental and physical exhaustion during your actual active labor by heaps rather than if you were like up on the ball like trying to get labor going etc amazing i am gonna love you and leave you ladies thank you so much for popping on thank you so much for your stories i just absolutely love hearing it um definitely pop in any more questions um in this chat afterwards and i can totally answer them um at a later time thank you so much Mwah. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here. All of our podcasts are recorded live in the Facebook group. So you are not only the first to listen to the podcast, but you are able to ask questions throughout the podcast. If you wish to jump into the Facebook group, the link is in the show notes. I would really appreciate if you left a five-star written review, shared this podcast with someone who would appreciate, or even share your recent listen on your social stories. Talk to you soon.